ओम ज्ञान ज्ञानंजन शलाकाया चक्षुरन मिलित तस्मा श्री गुरवे नम हरे कृष्ण there should be two lectures or one lecture on two topics uh, the first topic is the importance of accepting a guru and the meaning of initiation and the second topic is a discussion of the tendencies to be avoided in the matter of chanting the holy names of krishna now it may seem strange that someone who's about to give an initiation will speak about the importance of accepting a guru it might seem that he's trying to do some personal propaganda like this. It will seem strange to people who don't know what the role of a guru is meant to be. That guru takes the role of master because of his intrinsic understanding of his position as servant. It doesn't take the role of a guru to become the false exploiter of others, but to take the position of the genuine servant of others, specifically by uh, following the order of his own spiritual master. Uh, who teaches that disciples they should train others guide others in the matter of serving krishna so this is required in america once uh shula prabhupad he was visiting one center and as usual uh, the devotees were very adulating in the reception of shula prabhupad and the mother of one of the devotees present said to Srila Prabhupada with some degree of wonder that these people, they worship you. Yes, Srila Prabhupada said in a matter-of-fact kind of way. That is our Vaishnava system. Just as I am worshipping my spiritual master, so my disciples also worship me. That is required. So this uh, initiation is required to fulfill, to fulfill the purpose of life. Life means to serve Krishna. anything else is living death is only existence that is the jiva dharma the uh, intrinsic function of the soul to serve krishna it is uh, as natural for the soul to serve krishna as it is for the sun to rise in the east actually it's even more now because uh, when the creation is wound up the sun ceases to exist and ceases there is no east there's no west there's, there's no sun there's nothing but the soul continues to exist and krishna continues to exist and although the forgetful souls are unaware of their natural function of serving krishna that nevertheless remains their natural function there is a very unfortunate position for the conditioned souls that they are forgetting krishna and trying to be happy in this material world uh, which is not possible it's not possible to be happy in this material world but only one can try to be happy but there's no question of happiness outside of krishna consciousness unfortunately <coughs> out of the asankhya jivagan eta bhamanda bhari ananta jivagan out of the uncountable jivas that inhabit this universe very very few are awakened to krishna consciousness see even that when people first come to krishna consciousness generally they go very slowly cautiously not sure because <coughs> this material world is a place of cheating and often people are a little afraid to come very close they're afraid that this is maybe some other kind of cheating and also because uh, people may come slowly to krishna consciousness because they have so many material attachments 
And from the materialistic point of view, Krishna consciousness is a very extreme position. Krishna says, Sarvadhaman parityadja mamekam sharnam braja. Sur- just abandon all other activities and surrender to me only. In uh, terms of, uh, from the mundane perspective, this is fanaticism, fundamentalism, too much, extremism, unreasonable. Nevertheless, that is Krishna's demand. He's simply asking us to give up all those things which are detrimental to us and to accept that which is for the only path which is for our benefit, which is to surrender to him. So when one understands this is what is required uh, and is prepared to uh, advance on that path of surrender to Krishna, then he requires to be initiated by spiritual master, which is a, another totally unreasonable proposition from the conditioned soul's point of view, that one should surrender to a spiritual master. Seems like a very foolish thing to do. People are struggling for freedom. The Czech people felt very happy after so many years of Russian domination that then they got their freedom. So now you are free to express yourselves, freedom of speech. You are free to move around the world if you have enough money and you can get visas. You are uh, free to drink Coca-Cola and all the other advantages of modern life. The people are fighting for freedom and giving their lives for freedom. And in Krishna consciousness we propose that whatever freedom you have, you give it up and surrender to Guru and Krishna. It seems like a foolish proposition. Why should one want to do that? This has to be understood very philosophically. Krishna consciousness is not meant uh, not based on blind faith, but on philosophical understanding. That if we analyze deeply, that means analyzing through Guru, Sadhu and Shastra, then you'll find that the so-called freedom of this material world is not freedom at all. That as long as we do not surrender our intelligence to Krishna, then we have to surrender our intelligence to Maya. We have to accept some authority. Either we accept the authority of Krishna, or we accept the authority of some political leader, or we accept uh, some philosopher as our guide, or we accept our own mind as our guide. So it's a matter of accepting Krishna's mind, or our own mind, or the minds of persons who are supposed to be great, but who actually are not very great. And no one is free. It's like there was the hippie movement in the 1960s and 1970s. They wanted freedom. Freedom from societal conventions. For instance, those uh, those proscribing illicit sex. So they got freedom from the societal conventions, but then they became servants of their senses, even more so than those who followed the societal conventions, social conventions. So taking to Krishna consciousness means uh, understanding all these points and making an intelligent decision about who to serve, either to serve our mind and our senses or to serve some some other person's mind and senses or to serve Krishna. Now the method to serve Krishna is through the medium of a bona fide guru in parampara. Uh, accepting that guru as good as Krishna. 
Lord Krishna states that one should accept the Acharya as good as myself and never disrespect it in any way. Never ins- disrespect, insult. Uh, one should not consider him like an ordinary mortal, for he is the sum total of all the demigods. Now, it may seem that this is uh, too much praise. Unrealized. The guru walks, we walk, and he talks, and we talk. He gets sick, and we get sick. So what's what's the big difference? The difference is that uh, the guru is shutriyang dhammanishtam. He's learned in the Vedic conclusion and fixed in that conclusion. And is therefore deputed by his guru on behalf of Krishna to teach the Vedic knowledge. One is therefore enjoined to uh, surrender to a guru. And that surrender means to follow his instructions, to serve him, and to uh, accept that my intelligence okay. is not greater. It may be that in terms of intelligence potions and these tests that they have, that the disciple is more intelligent than a guru. That may possibly be. When it's said that the guru is spiritually intelligent, that doesn't mean that he's expert in solving different riddles. Which, by which one's mundane intelligence is tested. Riddles? Riddles means like quiz, some oh. quiz or something. If you have uh, 3,000 tons of sand and then you take away two fifths of that and then add seven times more, you know, like this kind of test, and then yeah. you have to give the answer. That it is not a qualification of the That intelligence means Shotriyang Brahmanishta. He's heard the Vedic conclusion. And hearing again doesn't... Hearing is heard the Vedic conclusion and is fixed in that conclusion. And hearing again doesn't mean the mundane process of, of accumulating knowledge. You see, even if you pass one Bhakti Shastri degree, that doesn't necessarily mean that you understand about Krishna. It is hoped and expected that one should do more than before he took that Bhakti Shastri course. But the real test is not what you write on the paper, but it's how you live your life. That knowledge in Shastra is supposed to guide us how to live our lives. So one who is uh, accomplished in leading his life according to Shastra and accomplished in teaching other Shastra is deputed by his guru to teach other Shastra. It's a very simple principle actually. That uh, one has to find a competent teacher, surrender there and take instruction and follow. Now, actually in the Vedic tradition it's not only that if you want to learn Krishna consciousness, that you have to submit to a guru. But all Vedic construction, in all departments, even uh, secular knowledge, that is, that requires that one should go to a guru. Actually, in Vedic culture or in Vedic education, there is no such thing as purely secular knowledge. There is no, there is no uh, differentiation between uh, religious and secular, because everything is religious. A society that separates this, the religious from the secular is automatically an non-religious society. Because uh, every, everything is coming from God and everything is connected with Him. And everything in life is meant to lead us towards Him. So, in a truly religious culture, all activities are God-centered. So, in Vedic culture, even to learn about medicine, or astronomy, or dancing, or usage of weapons, 
all these subjects one has to go to a guru. And the guru teaches uh, that all these, all these uh, abilities are coming from God before teaching every day the, the, the Supreme Lord or his uh, delegated representatives are to be worshipped and prayed to. And so one has to offer the highest respect to uh, such gurus, even if they're, t- they're just teaching you how to play a musical instrument. And again, musical instruments, that's meant for glorifying the Lord, not for anything else. But particularly when one comes to the transcendental platform, then he accepts a, a spiritual master, a guru who is to teach him about, directly about spiritual life. So this is not like learning some skill like how to play an instrument or how to use bows and arrows. But taking to spiritual life means that uh, this is uh, just like we're offering in the fire, the ahuti, the offering. So in the same way it means offering one very self. So one uh, submits oneself to a guru to be trained in how to always remember Krishna, become his devotee. So the, the process is actually very simple. There's nothing difficult in practicing Krishna consciousness, especially uh, in the process given by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's very simple. However, we tend to be weak, and we tend to be devious. We tend to invent so many excuses and reasons not to be Krishna-conscious. So, taking to Krishna-conscious and surrendering to Guru means that we are uh, prepared to give up this devious tendency, the yeah, resolve yeah. to become strong of Krishna-consciousness. That uh, Prabhupada was asked, just reading this morning, Prabhupada was asked on a television interview in America, what is the symptom of a Krishna conscious person? How can we recognize? Prabhupada said, uh, a Krishna conscious person you can recognize because he's a perfect gentleman. And Prabhupada went on to explain that perfect gentleman means no meat eating, no illicit sex, no gambling, and no intoxication. So we invite everyone, please come, join us, and chant Krishna and take Krishna Prasad. But when you want to be serious about solving all the problems of life and reviving one's original consciousness, one's Krishna consciousness, then you have to surrender to a guru and take this vow, no meditating, no literature, no intoxication, no gamma. So having taken this vow, you should understand what a vow means. Vow means no going back in the modern age, people uh, tend to be very whimsical. Uh, they don't know. The words like vow, responsibility, duty, quite likely such words may even vanish from the dictionary point soon. No one has any concept of such a thing. Hedonistic society means you just enjoy. So, Krishna conscious movement is not meant to be influenced by the demoniac values of a degraded society. Therefore, this vow is to be taken. No meat eating, no illicit sex, no gambling, no intoxication. One has to be confident of following this, knowing that I'm very fallen, but I have to take strength from Guru and Krishna and follow this series. There's no going back. We see it's a shameful thing. Some devotees take these vows, and then again they go back. Means they, they may be weak or maybe not sincere or a combination of both. It may be difficult to follow these things in the present age. We live uh, in an atmosphere which is simply full of all these sinful activities, especially uh, 
illicit sex is promoted everywhere. It's a strong, lusty atmosphere. And what to speak of us tiny little beings, we hear in Shastra of even great personalities like Brahma and Brihaspati becoming agitated by sexual desires and performing abominable activities. Of course, Brahma and Brihaspati, they went back, despite their temporary fall-downs, they went back and continued as Brahma and Brihaspati. But we see in the lives of devotees that if they slip into these degraded activities, it's very difficult for them to regain their standing in pure Krishna consciousness. And uh, it, you could say it could happen to anyone at any time. Maya is so subtle that oftentimes we may not even recognize what is happening. That a man may be preaching to a woman and it's all very spiritual and then all of a sudden they say, say the intelligence is lost and the material attachment becomes so strong that they fall down. But this, uh, it actually is devastating in the spiritual life of those who fall into such a deviation. So we don't see that devotees, they don't seem to be much attracted. In someone who's taken up devotional service, they, they don't generally fall into meat-eating or gambling. Intoxication? Sometimes. Illicit sex, fall down means they fall down into illicit sex. So Prabhupada, you see what condition he was preaching. Prabhupada is the most amazing thing, how he went to preach Krishna consciousness and he ended up preaching to the hippies. The Krishna consciousness is developed on the basis of leading a pure life. And the hippies, they were rebelling against all these social conventions of especially no illicit sex. And although Prabhupada was, uh, you know, many of the hippies, they, they thought, well, it's kind of nice, but this thing, no illicit sex, it, it actually turned a lot of people away. If Prabhupada had been more flexible on this particular rule, he could have had many more so-called followers. And we find in the beginning of the 21st century that now there are many Gorya Vaishnav groups spread all over the world, but they don't usually emphasize these principles so much. And they have many followers. They're, they don't emphasize you. You have to, you have to chant 16 rounds. and you, you don't emphasize this. Or you don't have to follow no illicit sex. and all. You just you know, just become a disciple. That's all. And this way, their numbers increase greatly. But Prabhupada didn't compromise on these things. He always used to say that if you're selling diamonds, then it's, you can't expect many customers. In fact, for selling diamonds, they have guards on the door. Not everyone's even allowed in. So, we're preaching Krishna consciousness and inviting everyone to come. We don't have guards on the door, usually. But our safeguard to keep away nonsense people is for regulated principles. So we cannot compromise on these things. It may be that a devotee sometimes slips. That is not very good. But we cannot, for the sake of accommodating people on a lower platform, say that compromise is acceptable. So we should be very strict on this. These four regulated principles are not something that you simply say at a sacrifice, like some kind of ritual. Something to be taken very seriously throughout life. Because we practically see that devotees who are not strict in following these principles, their whole spiritual life is totally devastated. 
And then comes uh, divorce and so many horrible problems. So even in householder life, one has to be very careful. Because if householders are not self-controlled, then the basis of their association becomes not how to serve Guru and Krishna, but how to serve each other's senses. But there's no satisfaction in that. So what happens is, just like the karmis, if you're not satisfied with one partner, then you start to look for another partner. Therefore, Krishna warns, Krishna warns that there are three gates leading to hell, of which the first is lust. Lust, anger, and greed. Therefore, these three should be given up by any intelligent person. And practically speaking, we see that people who are slaves of lust, they're already living in hell. And we've, we've seen devotees who are practicing nicely, but then they become victims of lust and they, their consciousness becomes hellish. And their faces, they cease to shine and instead they become black. Now, initiation is a very uh, joyful event. It means uh, joyful life moving forward towards the kingdom of ideal existence. Uh, initiation means that we're going forward with great hope on the path back to Godhead, with great faith that Guru and Krishna will help us advance on that path. But at the same time, we have to realize that it is not a very cheap thing. We have to take it very seriously. We have to remain in the association of devotees, always keep our vision focused on what is our goal, there's so many deviations. Maya is offering so many deviations. Even within our Krishna conscious room, we see all different, uh, many different kinds of ideas about what it means to practice Krishna consciousness. And all these ideas, except one, are completely useless. There's only one way to practice Krishna consciousness, and that's the way that Prabhupada taught us. Of course, there may be some, some flexibility within that one basic path that Prabhupada taught us. But this mixing up are tending to mix up Krishna consciousness with all new age ideas. It, it doesn't work. Or trying to compromise it with uh, sense gratification. It doesn't work. You end up with no Krishna consciousness. Simply cheating ourselves. So we should remain very clearly focused by uh, taking at the time of initiation, taking a vow to follow this path very strictly as we understand by reading Srila Prabhupada's books, associating with his strict followers. And then the process of initiation becomes meaningful, that now we're going straight forward on the path back to God. It's not, uh, initiation means it's not done in a whimsical manner. Ah, I can try it out. Not like that. When you're actually ready to follow, then follow. And keep on following and go back to God. This is what initiation is meant for. So, Prabhupada once he wrote that the initiation ceremony is a formality. Sometimes devotees misunderstand this to mean that it's not necessary. What Prabhupada meant when he said it's a formality is that initiation means a ceremony to... The ceremony doesn't make the commitment. But the commitment gives meaning to the ceremony without which the ceremony is simply an empty show. So it's a formality in the sense that the, the essence of the initiation is not putting the ghee in the fire. This is also required according to Shastra. But what is really required is putting our lives into the fire of the Sankirtan Yoga. So, Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Is there any question about this? Oh, he, he would like
would like to ask what it means that flexibility in in a one proper understanding of Prabhupada's path. That means that uh, some devotees they may be more attracted to deity worship, some may stress more on book production and distribution. It's not that everyone has to, it comes out like a, uh, like a robot, to reproduce robot. But the basic principles and uh, understanding, they have to be the same. All right. Second. <coughs> this part. We have one candidate for initiation and one for Brahminical initiation. So those taking Brahminical initiation, they don't have to vow anything because they already did it. Alright, so please come. Alright, that usually comes afterwards. No harm. They come before us. You lost your voice even more than yesterday. Now offer obeisances to Srila Prabhupada and Parampara. The most merciful Giriraj. Yeah, you can go there and offer. I guess there's no space. Anyway, you can do it just from here. Actually, the rule is you're not supposed to offer obeisances very close to the Anyway, hands should go out in front. Otherwise, you're only 70% surrendered. <laughs> Keep what are you keeping in your pockets? No pockets. Not wearing any shirt. Nothing to hide. All right, come sit here. All right, please tell me as best as you can. What are the four regulated principles we're supposed to follow? You can say in Czech or English, whatever language you like. No, illicit sex. Okay, you should have understood that from the lecture. No, illicit sex, no gambling, no meat eating, including eggs and fish, and no intoxication. Alright, thank you. Minimum, how many rounds of the Hare Krishna mantra do you have to chant every day? Six. There should be. Yeah. Should be one, some string here also. Put that on afterwards. That's for the principal eight rupees to show that. Alright, so your name can be Sankirtandas. Usually some name is given like Krishna, Madhava, Govinda, Gauranga, names like that. But Sankirtan is also non-different from Krishna. Kalikali Nam Rupi Krishna Avatar. Krishna has appeared, Krishna has descended into this world in this Kali Yuga in the form of his holy name. So, Sankirtan Das means servant of Krishna in the form of his holy name. It means a servant of the Sankirtan mission. So, that is what followers of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu are supposed to be, followers of servants of the Sankirtan mission. It's a lifelong mission trying to fulfill the desire of the previous acharyas to spread Krishna consciousness. So go on serving the Sankirtan mission. Hare Krishna.